Everybody, helps if you turn on the switch and everybody can actually hear me. Um, but I'm glad to be here today. We're going to speak today on a topic actually that is really close to my heart. And so I hope you guys came prepared today for what we are going to jump into. Um, I could keep it light and easy right after Easter here, but I feel like there's power as we dive in, and I hope I'm going to leave you today with some encouragement of how you can apply this to your life. As a matter of fact, we're going to apply it even before service is out this morning. If you're new with us today, we're in a message series not called What Would Jesus Do? There's been bracelets and things with that nature for, for many years. They were popular a little while ago, but we're in a message series called What Would Jesus Undo? What are the things that break the heart of Jesus, things that he maybe spoke against, things that kind of upset him, that he would change? And not change because he's super angry about them, change because he cares about us, and there's a better way that he has for us. And if you're um, new here, last week I spent uh, the week I was talking about, I started with this story of how I gave a gift to somebody that I prepared a lot for, and I gave it to them, and they didn't care at all about the gift. I was a little broken and heartbroken as they like gave the gift back to me instead of accepting it or at least pretending to, to like it, right? And this week I want to start with a question, not a, really a question, but I just want to bring up kind of the opposite, that sometimes we do the opposite when we're the gift giver. Instead of preparing so much for it to give it to the person, we do the opposite. Like it's secret Santa, Santa time in the office, and you're like, I just got to buy a $20 gift here's an Amazon gift card, like I'm done with this and moving on, right? And there's just no heart behind it. And the other person doesn't care. Like, okay, cool, I got an Amazon $20 card and then I gave another coworker a different $20 gift card and we all just circled the money around the office and moved on with our lives. But there was no thought or meaning behind what we did. And so the question I want to pose as we get into our topic this morning is what if sometimes the songs that we sing, the sermons that we preach, the acts of service that we do with our lives as we live out our purpose even in the workplace and our homes, they're often empty gifts to God. We're wrapped up in this spiritual image sometimes on the outside, but sometimes on the inside. Our hearts are far from God and we miss what He wants from us, which is not the act of worship. What He cares about is our heart. And He cares about it because He wants good things for us. So my topic this morning is what would Jesus undo? He would undo empty worship. He would undo empty worship, what he would call worship in vain. And what turns the heart of God, what, what upsets him, is empty worship. So we're going to jump into Matthew's gospel to look at this today. Matthew chapter 15, we're going to start in verse 1, and I'll show you an interesting conversation between Jesus and the Pharisees who were the religious leaders of his time. He says, it says, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law now arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They asked him, why do your disciples disobey our age-old tradition? For they ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. They don't wash their hands before they eat. The Pharisees are wondering, why don't they wash their hands before they eat? This is what we're supposed to do. This is what everybody does, Right? To understand this a little bit, I'm going to give you a little bit of history. Some of you might like the, a little bit of details back into this. And they were obsessed with something called ceremonial cleanliness. Now, ceremonial cleanliness is not the same thing as personal hygiene. It's not physical cleanliness. It's a whole le new level of cleanliness that had to do with 
um, the spiritual. It's not the cleanliness that some people have had over the last two years of hand sanitizer every five seconds. Matter of fact, this week I was on a plane to go to a, um, a pastor's conference, and as we got on the plane, the stewardess had to explicitly explain to everybody in the event of an emergency, please remove your face mask so that you can put on the oxygen mask, because if you don't remove your face masks, you won't be able to get the oxygen. And sometimes we're so worried about, right, like the, the physical cleanliness in front of us, we miss what we need is to be connected to the source of life. We need the oxygen and we need to survive the moment and it doesn't matter the physical cleanliness in the space. It's not the same kind of obsession though as the Pharisees. But you can see Jesus already getting at it here. And um, what he's trying to get at, sorry, I'm like the room this morning, I'm like, I'm ready to be to the point where we can make jokes about COVID and it's funny and apparently we're not at that point yet because we're still all so affected by it. Um, but uh, the Pharisees were very serious as well and they were very serious about their physical cleanliness. And what they talked about and what they were doing was trying to make sure they got the law to the exact right way. So some animals here were unclean. And then there was clean animals. There's clean ways to eat your food. There's clean ways to prepare your food. There's unclean ways. I'll tell you, I've never had a better well-done hamburger than in Israel. Why? Because they had to become experts. Because pigs aren't clean, so you can't put bacon on it. And you can't eat any blood in your food, so it has to be a well, well-done burger. And you can't some crazy, weird morphing of the law. You can't somehow accidentally serve cheese that came from the milk of the mother of the cow whose hamburger you are eating, so you can't have a cheeseburger either because of this extreme small risk of that. And this is just a small bit of what the Pharisees were dealing with. And I will tell you, it was a great hamburger, but it still does not come even close to a good double-double. Like, I, I'm so glad that Jesus came and I can eat cheese and bacon on my hamburgers. Somebody else needs to be thankful for that as well. But there are things that we can touch as well, right, that are unclean, or at least that they were in the world that they were living in. If you had any type of bodily discharge, you were unclean. If you had a skin problem, you're unclean. If you touch a pig, you're unclean. If you touch a dead body, you're unclean. And the problem with this is when you were unclean, it was transmissible. I'm not going to share my COVID example of this because apparently that's just not the state we're in this morning, but right, like it's transferable. You touched one person and then they touched somebody and like now we're three or four levels down from this. And this is where it comes back to our topic this morning. If you were unclean, you were unfit for worship. You couldn't enter the temple. You couldn't worship God. So what did you have to do when you were unclean? You had to go through an elaborate ceremony to wash your hands and cleanse yourself so that you were spiritually ready for worship. What you had to do was take a certain amount of water known as a quarter of a log. That was actually the description. And what is a quarter of a log? It is actually one and a half eggshells worth of water. That's the actual measurement of how much water you needed to take. A full log, I looked it up this week, was six hen's egg shells worth of water. 
So a quarter of that is one and a half eggshells. That's the amount of water needed to cleanse yourself. This is how specific they had gotten of what it meant to follow God. And I am thankful that I come in the time after Jesus because this is what they would do. If they were unclean, they would have somebody that had this water that they would cleanse their hands and they would hold their hands out and make sure it was like this so that the water ran down their hands onto the ground because if it ran onto another part of your body, then you just right, transferably became unclean again and had to start the whole process all over again. And it was elaborate, then it was detailed, and they were obsessed about getting all of these things right. And the Pharisees were asking Jesus, why doesn't your crew do this? And Jesus, instead of kind of defending himself, he kind of unleashes on them. He says, you are not even treating the other people with respect and you're so worried about the physical. You're not loving to those around you. You don't care. Your heart is totally in the wrong place. He says, you hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. They give me lip service, but their hearts aren't right. And then Jesus says this, how do they worship? Jesus says, they worship me in vain. Their worship, it's not pleasing to me. On the outside, right, it looks like worship. It's devotion, like it's very elaborate of what they're trying to do for God, but it's an empty gift to him, one that isn't really what he's after. What he cares about, and the prophets told his people time after time again, is he cares about our hearts. He cares about us just sharing where we're at, not pretending to be something that we're not, but sharing our hearts. Worship, which is very hard to define in this topic that I've chosen for today. There are many easier topics we could talk about because it's kind of a challenging concept. But worship is defined as expressing praise, adoration, or thanksgiving to God. Expressing our hearts towards Him and the truth of who He is. And I know that as a church, both for us, but especially as a larger church in a whole, even in America, there's so much room for us to grow in this. And as your pastor, even, this is one of the biggest areas of growth I think we have. And it's not because I want us to grow. It's because when we learn to worship, God meets us in that place and he has good things for us. And it's in worship, really, that the Holy Spirit deposits in us joy and hope and life and goodness that we get from God. And he meets us in that place of worship. And every church I've been to in pretty much my life, even, there are people that often come late to worship. Um, and sometimes even like on purpose, right? Like I'm trying to be late so that I can skip the music. I'm not a huge fan of the music, but I'm going to be here for the community, maybe the preaching. Um, and this morning, you guys are all here on time, even with, I don't know how crazy it was out there, even with the craziness. And let me say, sometimes we're all late, right? Like I have kids. I have much more grace now for parents when it comes to being late. Sometimes things happen in the morning. Sometimes you can't find a parking spot. There was somebody that told me they looked for 45 minutes last week for a parking spot. And I said to myself, I'm sorry we did not tell you, but there's a parking garage a block south of here where you can park for 90 minutes free. So now you all know, if you can't find parking, right before Santa Clara on 3rd Street, there's a garage. Um, and I, I was like, it's fine that you're late, right? Like God, you were clearly showing God that you wanted to be here. Um, and what God wants is our hearts. And what I want for us to understand is that worship is one of the most powerful things we do. And even as a preacher, I often am more excited about the worship we get to do together as a church than the message I get to preach. Because I know how powerful it can be when God meets us in that place of worship. And when I talk about worship, too, sometimes we 
have our heart and our eyes just so focused on one thing. We think of just musical worship. Maybe we think of one style of musical worship, and maybe we're like, oh, I really like this style, or I really like this style. But worship is so much bigger. It encompasses our entire lives. And the message as we honor God, we learn to live more like Jesus, is all a part of our worship of him. Being in community is a part of our worship. Enjoying God's creation as we enjoy good food or company or nature is a part of our worship of Him, and it's not to be taken for granted as a part of our worship. When you're at work, when you're at home, when you're with friends, we can worship God in all of that. And it doesn't just stop when the song ends at the end of church. Whatever you do for God, expressing your gratitude towards Him, is worship. So when you become more like Jesus because you love God, that's worship of him. When you become kind, when you want to respond in anger, because that's what Jesus would lead you to do, that can be worship of God. And we need to bust open our idea of what worship is because it's so much bigger than what we often think it is. Maybe you've worshipped even in other circumstances, right? Sometimes it's like very liturgical and this idea of of memory and you stand up and you sit down and we're reading things together and sometimes like you have a huge praise band and it's it's huge and maybe sometimes the pastor's in a suit maybe sometimes the pastor's like in a t-shirt and you're like I don't know is that okay is there only one way that it should be but worship is about our heart and what we are doing and there are so many different styles and it's good that your church speaks your worship heart language and I think we all each have one of those if I said you had to pick one type of cuisine and eat it for the rest of your life, but it wasn't a cuisine that you enjoyed in any way. Maybe I said, you have to pick Italian and eat that for the rest of your life, and you're like, I'm allergic to gluten and tomatoes and grapes. Like, what? this is not going to go well, right? Like, you might love food, but I just took all the enjoyment out of it for you. You might find that one dish that's kind of somehow mingled in there, but for the most part, it's not going to be enjoyable. Like, we should pick a, maybe some Japanese food or Mexican food because it's going to be much more enjoyable for you and where you are at and how God has created you. So it's natural for us to pick a church where we identify with the style of what the worship is, and that's okay. But at the same time, worship and the style of it should not limit our worship of God. The style that doesn't fit us perfectly should not limit us worshiping God, even if it's not your favorite, because in it we can meet God, and I have met God in everything from just slow acoustic worship to huge band and audit, like not even auditorium, like Coliseum concert. And I've met him everywhere in between that. I've met him worshiping in other languages, and worship is not limited by what the style is. And even here as a church, right? Like four weeks ago, we had an awesome time of worship. I remember it because I got on stage and was like, that was amazing. I need to take up my preaching because that was really good. And for Easter, we had like an all-out praise band. And last week, we had a, some soulful people leading us in worship, and it was good. And this week, we dialed it back, and we went a little bit more acoustic for things. And each week might be a little bit different. And some weeks might speak to you more than others, but no week should limit your worship of God because he is here in all of it. And what he cares about is not the style. It's not how good your voice sounds or how bad it sounds. What he cares about is your heart. And the sign of a growing follower of Jesus is that they can worship in any style and setting. The, the sign of a growing follower of Jesus is that they can worship in any style and setting. Now, yes, 
you're going to want to be more often than not in settings you appreciate versus that don't speak your language, but in any style and setting. I've been a part of great churches with great styles of worship, and I have my own style that really speaks to me. Matter of fact, I love when we get to just all-out praise and sing, and even when I'm in the middle of a storm, we're going to sing this song, actually raise a hallelujah at the end of service today. And I love that song because it's not about me feeling good about where I'm at in life. It's me acknowledging where I'm at and where God is and trusting Him to provide in the middle of it, even when I can't see beyond what's right in front of me. And one of the best times of worship in my life was getting to sing that song with the worship team that wrote it with, you know, three electric guitars and eight singers, and it was amazing. But I've also experienced the opposite, right? I've experienced awesome times of worship when there were no instruments. There was nobody around. Matter of fact, one time in college, we did this thing called the tunnels when I was a freshman, because that's what you do when you're a freshman. You come up with cool names for things that aren't cool, and you do things that you probably shouldn't do because you're a freshman and you have people with peer pressure around you. And we did these things called the tunnels. They weren't tunnels. They were sewers. They were the storm sewers that, like, where all the water would go in the event of a storm. And I grew up in Minnesota. There's a lot of storms and water. And we went into these because, why? Because we were in college and we were stupid, or at least I was. Like, this seems like a good idea. It was literally Friday night, and the idea was you would go in the storm tunnels and you would find your way to the grocery store, not even that exciting of a place, and you would pop up out of the ground at the grocery store and like buy a snack and then like come back to campus. I don't know why this was a cool thing to do, but it was the cool thing to do. And we got it in our head that it would be good to do it like on our own. Four of us, none of us had ever been in there before. We're like, we're just going to go figure it out. It's Friday night. Let's grab a couple flashlights and go. And the problem was you walked in and then 50 feet later, the tunnels got smaller. And then the further and further you went, the smaller and smaller and smaller the tunnels God, until you're crawling on your hands and your knees and like there's water in the bottom so you're like this on the sides kind of trying to get through there and I don't know if we thought like we were going to be cool like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and just like pop up out of the manhole and like like feel victorious in this but it wasn't my hands were scarred and I wasn't wearing boots and I wasn't prepared and we got in there like an hour into this it felt like three hours I think it was only an hour we got in like an hour and we're like I don't know if we're far enough, but we do not want to go any farther. We're going to try to get out of here. And we got to the spot where it was like, a, it like opened up, right? Like the four of us could be in this little opening together instead of all in a line in this tiny tunnel. And at the top, there was a ladder with the manhole. So we're like, okay, cool. And so I climb up there and I'm with, this is important. I missed this step. I'm with my friend who's a very little dude and I'm with two little girls. And so I'm here and I'm like, I try to get to the top and try to open the cover like, and then I couldn't. And I'm like, uh-oh, I'm the strongest one here. <laughs> if I can't do this, how are we going to get out of here? Because only one of us can fit on the ladder at a time. We can't, like, get more of us in here. And I promise I'm going to bring this back. It's relevant. But I couldn't get out because we didn't pick the right one that everybody else used. So for 50 years, probably nobody had ever opened this sewer grate, but it was where we were at. And I just remember climbing to the bottom, like, I don't know if I can make it back an hour and a half. My body is so cramped and sore, and we weren't smart enough to bring somebody that knew where they were going, so I don't even know if we can find our way back right now. I remember in the bottom of that tunnel turning off our flashlights to conserve battery because we didn't know if we brought enough light, and it was pitch black in there because it, that's where we were. We were underground in the sewers, and I remember my friend 
saying, you know what, let's just worship God right now. And I was like, that's cool for you, dude. You sing in the choir. There's a girl here, and my voice, you don't want to hear my voice. And why is it that the worst voice echoes around the tunnel, like, last after everybody stops singing? Like, that's cool, dude, but, like, like that's not going to work for me. But I remember in the pitch blackness, us just worshiping God. And it was pure, and it was, there was nothing behind it. Wasn't trying to impress anybody. We were just trying to worship Him. And our song became, if you give us the strength to get out of here this way, it's okay. Like, that's what we would prefer. But if we have to go back, it's okay too. And we know you'll provide no matter what happens, God. And it was just this pure form of worship of trusting Him with just our voices in this tunnel. And we praised and we worshiped for like 15 minutes. And then I climbed back to the top and was like, all right, we're going to do this. And I don't know if it was my adrenaline or fear of going back or the Holy Spirit giving me some strength there, but I got the thing up like half an inch. I was like, okay, it moved. And I got it up an inch, and I like slowly got the cover off. It was not a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles moment. It was a barely sliding that thing off, and we were able to crawl out of the ground. And I don't even remember what happened after. Like, I think we went to the store. I don't know. We weren't in the right spot. We were in the middle of some random street, and thankfully there was no cars driving over us. But what stuck with me was my friend's idea to worship in the middle of our pain. And what stuck with me was the fact that, you know what, I don't need drums. I don't need guitar. I don't need a worship leader. I just need God. And what I learned in that moment was that when we worship Him with all of our hearts, He will meet us in that place. And I didn't care at that point if I had to go back or I was going to go up. I knew God was going to provide no matter what happened. When we sing for breakthrough, and we will do that as a church, right? Sometimes we need to sing before the breakthrough comes. And the act of trusting God is where He meets us and then He provides. When we sing about joy of the Lord or we sing about the goodness of God and you are in this place where you're like, I do not know the goodness of God right now. I don't know if I trust Him. I don't know if I believe in Him. He doesn't seem like a good God right now. I don't have any joy in my life right now. I'm in the darkness right now. I'm depressed and lonely and had a hell of a week and here I am, God, and I'm, like, I'm barely here. When we choose to sing those words of joy or hope or goodness or trust or breakthrough, that often is where the Holy Spirit will come in and He meets us in that place and He deposits what we're singing about. But we need to trust Him first by declaring the goodness of Him. And then the Holy Spirit comes in and He gives you joy, He gives you goodness, He gives you faith, He gives you trust, and breakthrough comes in your life. We can't just sit back in the darkness. We can't just sit back scared and tired and worn out, sometimes we just need to get up and raise our hands or we need to get down on our knees and just say, God, here I am. I don't have a lot to give you. I don't know if I even believe this, but I'm going to declare it because this is what your word says, and I'm going to trust that you are good. And we're suffering sometimes stoically instead of dancing joyously because we're insecure about dancing. And honestly, do you want the joy or do you just want to sit stoically in fear. And I will tell you why this is good news today is because when you get out of your comfort zone and you start expressing your true worship of God with your heart, that's how you get to experience joy in life. It's how you get to experience the goodness of God. But if we're just stuck and we're afraid and we're fearful, we often are limiting ourselves from allowing God to give us the thing that we want most in life. So which way should we worship God? Whatever way we can to just share our heart with him. Jesus said, they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. 
And because their heart is far from me, they worship me in vain. What we have to understand is that worship that touches the heart of God is that true worship is what touches him. It's not the style of music, but it's a reflection of the condition of our heart. And true worship is that. Think about this for a minute. This would not happen, at least I don't think so, but if my daughters a few years from now, as they grow up, because they're a little too young for this, say they prepared a song for me to express their adoration and worship of me, right? Like, I'm not full of myself or anything, but, you know, just in case this happened, and they were going to express their worship of me. Imagine them standing there completely a cappella and singing to me a song from their hearts, and I stop them, and I say, no, 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 kids, you don't understand. That's not the style that I prefer. When you tell me about how great I am as a father and how much you love me, I prefer like a praise band with fog and lights and music and just all of this. One of you needs to be the worship leader. I need to see somebody with some skinny jeans and some spiky hair. And like, if I don't see that, like, this isn't a good song. Like, just stop, girls. Just stop. No, I would never, like, no. And God is the same way. Or the opposite, imagine if they came before me like banging pots and pans and making a lot of noise and like, Dad, you're the greatest dad in the world. And I said, stop, stop, stop. Your father prefers like an austere, serene, like you can share a poem with me and that's, that's how I like my worship. No, they can do whatever they want if it's from their heart because true worship that pleases God isn't about the style of music, it's about the condition of your heart. So what would Jesus undo? He would un- undo empty worship It's not about a label. If we're a follower of Jesus Christ in our life, our worship needs to be pure, and it needs to be from the heart. In fact, um, I'll actually invite the worship team up um, to come back up here um, as we near towards the end. And when you're ready, you guys can start playing. And I think for some of us right now, What I want you to do is not worry that I'm going to start singing with them as they come up here and play, because you all know how bad my voice is. I will wait till the microphone is off, and I'm over there, and if you stand near me, you'll hear me. But otherwise, you get to hear them. But worship is about getting our hearts prepared, and to remember who God is, and who Jesus is, and what he has done for us, that through his Son, the sinless and perfect son of God who was obedient even to death on the cross. He did it for us. He died for us. He suffered, bled, and died so that we could be forgiven. Jesus defeated death for us, the hell. He defeated hell and the grave for us. He rose from the dead. He ascended to heaven and sits at the right hand of God Almighty. Even at this moment, he makes intercession. He prays and intercedes for us right now. In other words, he's praying for you. He hasn't left us alone. He sent his Holy Spirit to not leave us alone. That same Spirit that raised Christ from the grave, he sent to us in this place. And if we are a follower of Jesus, we have his Spirit. And when we open our hearts in true worship of him, that same Spirit is the one that breathes life into whatever you're going through. If it's a mountaintop right now and you had an amazing week or you had a horrible week, the same Spirit will give you life in the middle of where you are at. He is worthy of our praise. As we grow as a church in our worship of him, let me just encourage you guys to grow in our worship. We've got potential to express to him in so many different ways. And some of us, we need to get out of our comfort zone. And when we do, God is going to meet you and you're going to have an amazing time meeting him. 
You know, we need to just get our hearts right, but sometimes it's bowing in reverence. As the psalmist said, come let us bow down in worship of the King and the God. And sometimes it's kneeling down before the Lord, our Maker. Every now and then when we get overwhelmed by who He is and what He has done, it's like the wise men bringing gifts and kneeling down before Jesus, or like Peter who fell onto his knees in repentance before God. You can't even stand, so you just fall down and you kneel before God, and you worship Him because of who He is and what He has done. We kneel in adoration of the good news of who He is and what He has done, or we bow in reverence of Him. How do we worship him? Sometimes we kneel in reverence. Sometimes we lift our hands in adoration. It's not like a weird thing. It's not a charismatic thing. But right, it's a Bible thing. Paul's saying in the New Testament, lift up holy hands to God Almighty. David in the wilderness, he said, I will praise you and lift up my hands to your name. Sometimes you're overwhelmed in life. What do we do when we're overwhelmed in life? We throw up our hands, right? in just life is overwhelming. Or what do we do when we celebrate in our culture, right? Our team won the game, we're celebrating, we're high-fiving, like, and we're just all into the moment. But in worship, we're just, we're just reserved here. And we need to lift up our hands and celebrate of who he is and what he has done because God has been victorious for us. How do we worship him? You danced when you got a new phone or a new car or you got engaged or whatever happy moment was in your life. Sometimes we just need to dance before the Lord. David was dancing in celebration as he came into the the city of Jerusalem and his wife made fun of him and said, you're a crazy fool. And God said, God blessed David in the middle of that and his wife, he did not. And sometimes we just need to dance and let loose and just give God our hearts and just trust him in the moment of celebration. Sometimes we lift hands, sometimes we kneel, sometimes we just stand there and pray and reflect, but it's pure, unadulterated praise and worship of who he is. And daily, daily, every single day we lay down our lives as an act of worship of who he is. It's not just something that we do as we sing a song. A worshiper is who we are because of who God is. And the way we live becomes an act of our worship. Romans 12 said, Therefore I urge you, I urge you do this. Urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of who he is and what he has done, here's what I want you to do. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. The way that you live, let that be worship. Offer your lives holy and pleasing to God. That's our pure and proper worship. And this is our mission as Tekoa Church. We believe in equipping, in equipping you to live out your purpose every day. I worship God in the way that I live, in a job that I love or a job that I hate as I do it to you, God. I worship you when I'm healthy. I worship you when I'm battling cancer. I worship you when I have plenty. I worship you when I'm in want. In the way that I live, everything that I do, God, may it be worship and glory to you. Worship is not just the worship out of our mouth or the music out of our mouth. Worship is born out of a heart and then the way that we live every single day. Would you guys stand to your feet with me? Stand to your feet, and I want to take a moment to get our hearts ready to worship God, and we're going to do that through music and through other ways as we finish out um, the rest of our service today. But let me remind you of who God is. He is our rock. He is our redeemer. He is our righteousness. Our God is our deliverer, and he is our defense. He is our shield, and he is our salvation. He is our strength. Who is God? He is the bread of life. He is the living water. He is the good shepherd. He is the true vine. He is the way, the truth, and the life. 
who is Jesus. He is the light of the world, the Lamb of God, the Lion of Judah. My God is all-powerful. He is ever-present. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. Jesus is the soon-returning, conquering King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the Good Shepherd. He is the true vine. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And in view of who he is, we offer our lives as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Because worship isn't just the songs that we sing, worship is the life that we live. And so those that would say in the middle of this place right now that I am a follower of Jesus and yet I want to be more intimate with you, I want to know you more closely. I want to ask you right now in, in this place, in this moment, to lift up your hands to God, to say, I want to know you more. I want to be closer to you. I want to trust you. I want your spirit in me. I want the joy of life in me. And it doesn't matter what's going on around me. It doesn't matter what's in this world, but I want. And so as you stretch out your hands to him in heaven, would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this church full of people that wants to know you more, that cares more about you than anything in this world. And God, I pray as your word has promised us that you would meet us in this place. I pray that you would meet our church right now in this place or even if they're listening online, Lord, as they're in this moment, would you meet them? That you would give them more of your joy, more of your Holy Spirit, more of your life and goodness. May they know that whatever's in front of them and whatever's behind them, Lord, that you are a good God, that you are a good Father, and you have good things for them in their future. Lord, may they know the hope and the joy and the glory of what it is to be a son or daughter of you, God. May your Holy Spirit just fill them and meet them in this place. And God, as we continue to worship you, may you be pleased with our worship. May it not be just an empty gift to you, but maybe be it from our hearts for you. As we keep praying today, you guys can put your hands down if you have your hands up. As we keep praying today... There are those of you that are going to realize even that you've never fully trusted God with your lives. Maybe you've been in church, maybe you've been singing, maybe you've, you know, just been attending for different parts of your life, but you have never trusted Him. And Jesus came and He lived a perfect life so that you and I could be reconciled to God. He died a death that He didn't deserve, and three days later He was raised to new life. He's defeated death, he is victorious, and he has the same for you today. And so I want to invite you in right now. God doesn't want our lip service, he wants our hearts. He doesn't want anything on the outside from you, he just cares about you. He loves you and he wants to give you his life. So all of you that feel that right now, that I want his forgiveness, I need his grace, I want to turn from my sin, I want to turn towards him, I don't care who sees, I don't care, I just want to be right in my heart before God. Right now, I want to invite everybody here to pray out loud together. Even if you've prayed this before, I want to invite you to pray this again with those that might be praying this for the first time. Would you pray right now, out loud, right after me? Would you say, Heavenly Father, I give you my life. Forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. Jesus, I surrender everything to you. Fill me with your spirit so I can follow you. My life is not my own. I give it to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So today, as your hearts are prepared for the worship of what God wants to do, he is going to be here. He is already here. His presence is here. And we're going to spend some time worshiping Him. So we've got people. We've got a room. We've got a worship leader. 
We've got worship leaders, right? We've got more than one. We are set for what God wants to do in this place. I want to encourage you to give thanks to the Lord. Why? Because he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Praise the God of Israel who lives from everlasting to everlasting. And praise him that we are worshiping the same God, the same one who split the seed, who was faithful to Moses, who gave David what he needed to be victorious and who raised Jesus from the dead. So it's time, church, to sing out our praise to him. And whether you need to tell your soul that these words are true or you're bursting at the seams with the joy of life, I want to invite you, sing out to God who he is and remind yourself that he is the same God that did all of those things and he's still moving today. Would you worship him with your voices? Would you worship him as you stand or kneel or bow or whatever you need to do to just share your true heart with him right now?